Good morning. It is good to see you guys. My name is Eric Matoy, if you don't know me, I'm Pastor of the Grove, and uh, yeah, we're thrilled you're here today. If you're a guest, welcome. Uh, it's a, it's a great to be able to spend a Sunday with you, and we're excited that you're here. Uh, I want to say hello to all those uh, tuning in online, or Facebook Live. Hello, thanks for joining in for, with us today. And all those in the theater, thanks for coming. Uh, we're in a series, it's, a, it's called uh, Ten Principles, and we're talking about the ten uh, principles behind the Ten Commandments. And so we, we say there's ten relational principles uh, within the Ten Commandments, and we're talking about those through this whole series. So we're in part four, and uh, I just want to catch you up if you're new to uh, this series or to the church. Uh, where we, we take an idea and we walk through it for a little while through a series, five weeks, six weeks six weeks, a month or so. And so we're in the middle of a series of fourth weeks. So you're coming in uh, in mid-conversation. And so um, um, I'll be talking about this one, but if you want to catch up, you can go online and, and catch up on those. But this is what we said about the Ten Commandments. The, the Ten Commandments are about relationships. In fact, the whole Bible is summed up by that word relationship. It's all about relationship. God wants relationship with us, and he wants us to have healthy relationships with others. And so it's really about us uh, enhancing our relationships here on earth uh, with God and with others. And we're talking about those principles behind each of the commandments. Uh, week one, uh, we said the principle, the first principle is the, the, the principle of priority. Uh, putting God first means you, you, you choose what goes first because that affects everything else that comes after what you put first. Um, in, in, this, in this series, one of the things I want you to learn is, is that, that when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to commandments, when it comes to the laws God gives us, there's two parts to it. Uh, the one part is there is the, the letter of the law, which is the words, the law itself, and the second part is the spirit of the law. Uh, the, the reason, the purpose behind it. And so we're trying to dig into the spirit of law. We talk about the letter, why God gave it to us, but the reason, why is it there? And not get just focused on one, which we'll talk a little bit more, more about that. Because I believe every principle, um, it's, a, it's a life or death principle is really what it is. It's, it's, if you don't practice it, when it comes to the letter, that's always pointing more to the death part. If you don't do this, you, you get death. The spirit of the law usually is telling you if you do these things, the kind of life you'll have is trying to produce something in us. So it's not just trying to keep us away from something. It's trying to lead us towards something that's, that has life and gives us life. So the first one was law of priority. Um, the second commandment was the law, the principle of purity. Uh, this is not making any idols for ourselves. And so the second one, we talked about that. God wants us to, and here's the thing, we all want God's, the, the blessings of God. We want the results that God wants us to have. But a lot of times we want to do it our own way. And whenever we do it that way, that's called idolatry. We're trying to make God fit what we want, not what, do what God wants us to do. And so he's, trying, he's saying, don't, don't make things in a, to, into your image, into other images, because it takes away from who I am. And so that's the principle of purity, purity, not letting things mix. And then last week, we talked about the third principle when it comes to taking the Lord's name in vain. And this is the principle of humility. Uh, this is an important, important one because it's sometimes overlooked because it doesn't seem that important. You know, the things we, we speak. And we said that, that the mouth... Uh, really, it reveals the condition of our hearts, and then our actions, what we do, actually shows what we actually believe, what we really believe. So we can say all day that, you know, we, we believe in God, we love God, but if our actions are different, then there, if there's a disconnect, then uh, we are actually, there's a gap, and we're not actually, we're taking God's name in vain. And we said like this, one way to take God's name in vain is claiming to follow Christ and not living like Christ. Uh, so if you're, if you're new to church, let me just say this. As we talk through these commandments, uh, these commands are given to those, to the people of Israel. And, and over and over he says, this is the commands that you're, you're God. Like he's saying, you, you have a covenant with this, these people. So if you're new to church, you're not a Christian, um, in some ways uh, you, you'll learn from these principles. Uh, but really, it, it's a, it's a, God is talking to those that are saying, you're choosing me. Here's the way I want you to live out your life. 
And when we live them, we actually have a lot of success in life because we're trusting him. Uh, so the, we're going to talk about the fourth principle today, and it's the principle of rest. And this has to do with the Sabbath. Uh, but before I jump into the, to reading what, this, what it says, uh, I want to just talk a little about our culture and talk about uh, some of the dynamics that we face um, on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Right, we, we know uh, because of statistics and because of experience, uh, it tells us that we are now working harder and we're making more money than we ever had, but we have less time and energy to enjoy the money we've made. Uh, this is what the, stats are, the statistics are showing us, uh, that our levels of stress has increased as the hours, our work hours have also increased. So there's a correlation to how much you work and how stressed out you are. I read a very interesting statistic about uh, people that are successful in the marketplace. It says this, it says 66% of successful professionals say they are suffering chronic stress or depression. And 48% of top American corporate executives report that their lives are empty and meaningless. So key words there. Successful professionals, top American corporate executives. These would be the people that our culture sometimes celebrates and says, man, we want to be like those people. And they admit that in one case, over half, 66, and the other half, almost half. They would admit they're suffering from stress or depression. And then the other one is empty. Half of them are empty and meaningless. Uh, so I would say we need to be careful. When we, when we celebrate, we don't always know what we're actually, what we want to become, that we actually don't always know what comes with that. And we have to be aware of that. Um, in fact, the statistics tell us that we're more we're tired, uh, we're more stressed. Um, now it is is more Americans will die of suicide than a car accident, um, um, which is a really sad statistic. Uh, they think that's the way out. And really, we've created this. I would say we call it a death spiral in our culture. We don't even realize uh, because workaholism is literally fatal to us. Um, it shows up in heart disease and hypertension, depression. Um, and even more things. In Japan, uh, there are so many people die of workaholism, they actually have a, a term for it. I don't know how to pronounce the term, but this is what the term means. It means death from overwork. So their term, when somebody dies, they say they died because of that. It means they died from overwork. In fact, it's the second largest killer of working males in Japan, and it accounts for 10% of their entire, entire death rate. Uh, 10%, one-tenth of, of them die from this because it's, it's an issue there, obviously there. In our, in our country, from ages 18 to 33, uh, we know uh, that one, one in five is clinically stressed out, which means they've, they've diagnosed them as depressed and in need of medication. So one in five from 18 to 33. Uh, so when it comes to what we're talking about today, this is huge, okay? In our culture, it's big uh, because we, um, we need to learn how to be able uh, to identify these things and combat them and learn uh, that God has a better plan for our lives. And so even though everybody else in culture will do something, it doesn't mean we have to follow them uh, because in some cases they will actually take you to your, an early death and an early, early grave. Um, like other addictions, workaholism, it consumes the addict's time, energy, and thoughts. Um, so if, if, if work is always consuming your, your, your time, your energy, your thoughts, um, I, would, I would really say what, I need to be careful here because I have to pay attention to how I'm responding to this. And here's the thing, like any addiction, Everybody thinks they're the exception. Like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Like, man, they don't, you don't understand. I, I got control of this. Like, I can, I can stop whenever I want, and, and it's not that big of a deal. And every time, we always think we're the exception. Uh, but the truth is, I have a, a close friend who thought he was the exception and didn't know how to pace himself, didn't know how to take breaks, and ended up dying. Not a physical death, but a lot of relational death because uh, it, he broke the ability to have healthy relationships because he focused on the wrong thing. And when you think you're the exception, I would say be careful because you're most likely not, um, and you have to be aware of that. So let's jump into the, into the commandment. This is ex the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It says it like this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it 
holy. Holy just means set apart. It means different. Uh, it's, it's, God says he's holy. He's set apart. He's, he's not like other, other things. He's different. And so he's saying Sabbath day is holy. It's, set, it's supposed to be set apart. He says six days you shall labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. So God is saying that there's, a, there's an order here. Um, and when it comes to time, I would say this. Time is our most precious commodity. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that we have that, that is, is valued the most in our, in our world. Uh, because you, we can't create more of it. We can't make more of it. Um, in fact, they say manage, you know, time management. You can't even manage your time. It's, it's, you can manage how you use your time, but you can't manage time. Time just keeps going. Whether you're rich or you're poor, time goes the same, same speed for everybody. And you can't change that. Uh, it, it goes at the same rate, passes the same rate. But we can learn to use it wisely. In fact, one leader, he told me, he says, well, I heard him say this, is that uh, we need to learn to manage our energy, not our time. And that's, that's part of, I think, the principle of what we're talking about rest and Sabbath, is learning how to manage our energy. But he keeps going on. It says this, uh, continues on, for six, in six days the Lord made heavens, the heavens and the earth, sea, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God, he, he, he made an order to things. And it shows, he shows the example in Genesis. He's saying um, he creates things, and then he takes a, breath, a, a break, and he looks back and says, wow, it's good. And he does that for six days, and the last day he looks back and says, man, it's good. And then he says, then he, the Lord rested. Uh, the idea of rested is he refreshed himself. He took a breath. He had been speaking and creating for those six days. That the seventh day he said, just breathe. I'm going to give you an example of what needs, what, how this works. Because he made, he made a rhythm uh, with seasons. He made a, a rhythm in creation of how we were created. Um, even animals know this. We see their, the patterns they have, how God made it, made creation. It, it's made with the seasons and cycles, uh, times to engage, times to rest. And sometimes I think as humans, we think we're exempt from that, like we're different, but we're the same thing. He created us to, to live the same way. So in Exodus, we find the commandment of the Sabbath day where God, God gives it to people of Israel. And then in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the second law or the repetition of the law. Um, he, he states it quite, a little bit differently. Um, God uses Moses to state it a little differently. Uh, it starts off the same way, pretty much almost exactly the same. Uh, in, in Exodus, he says, remember the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, he says, observe the Sabbath. Uh, remember and then observe, uh, keeping it holy. Um, and here's the difference. At the end of it, he, there's something that changes here that he wants us to, to, I think, catch and pay attention to. So in Deuteronomy 5, when we see the Sabbath again, this is what he says. He ends it like this, so that your male and female servants may do as you do. Uh, which is really important, that, that you don't just keep Sabbath for yourself, but you learn to help others to be able to have rest the same way you do. And he says this, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So at the end of this one, he's saying, Hey, don't forget, you were once slaves, um, and I rescued you from that. Essentially, don't go back uh, to the thing that I, don't, don't go put a yoke of something on your life that I already broke. Don't go back and do that because I don't want you to become a slave again. So God gives this commandment. And before we talk about rest, because it's a gift, we need to observe something else. We need to, we need to see something in this verse that's, that's different. Uh, before we appreciate God's gift of rest, it's vital that we appreciate his gift of work. All right, so he says you'll work for six days, and one day you'll take a break. Um, older generations, they have the problem of overworking. Uh, millennials and younger generations are in danger of having the opposite, of underworking, not working enough. Uh, so uh, let me just challenge, if, if you're a young person here, one of the challenges companies are now facing with young people is, is they say young people think they should get paid just for showing up. 
Um, and you know if you're an employer, you don't pay somebody just for showing up. You, sit, you pay for somebody for doing the work, right? And it's not always the millennials' fault. It's, 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 it's a lot of culture because we've given them trophies just for participating, right? So they think, I'm participating. I showed up. Give me the check. Um, and they're like, no, no, it doesn't work that way in the real world, son. You've got to work for this thing, right? And so uh, the first thing we have to realize is God is saying work is important. It's a gift. Work is also a gift. Uh, in fact, if you didn't have any work, you wouldn't be, you'd be pretty miserable because we're made to work. We're, we're made in God's image to create, uh, to do things. And so we sometimes think, like, man, if we had nothing to do, that would be the greatest. Uh, but you'd actually die pretty quickly because we're made to actually produce. We're made to give. So we make sure we appreciate the gift of work. And here's what he says in the beginning. He says, Sabbath day, the seventh day, it's, it's set apart. It's holy. Here's how you know if you're keeping Sabbath. If six days, if all seven days look exactly the same, you're not keeping Sabbath. But if six days look pretty similar of, of engaging and working, and the seventh day is a time to, to refresh, uh, to breathe, uh, to, to recharge yourself, then you're most likely getting the, getting the, the point of, of Sabbath, is learning to prepare for the next thing. He's saying, I want you to work hard six days. You should work hard. We represent God. We should work hard. We should do the best we can and then take a break. It's a gift. And it's not, not to keep us from something, but to keep, well, to keep us from dying early, but also to keep us uh, from overworking ourselves, from, from trusting the wrong things, but to, to rest and refuel so that the next six days we can go at it hard again. And then the next, and then take a break. And then the next day, it's a rhythm. Um, so he's saying it's different. So one day should look different from the, other, from the other six. If it's not, then something is wrong. Because uh, here's the thing when it comes to work and to rest is God wants our lives to be fulfilling, including work. He wants you to be fulfilled in work. Although I think sometimes our idea of what it means to be filled at work is different than his idea. Um, I heard a story of one man, Brother Lawrence, who his job was to wash dishes. And he learned to worship God in washing the dishes. Like that was his job, and he learned to enjoy his work, to find fulfillment, because he was able to, to pray and do other things while he worked, because he found that there was something in that. There's, it was a gift to be able to do. So we need to thank God for work and take his commandment to rest seriously, because it will help us do better at our jobs, at our work, with our families. Um, but I know every... Every now and then, no matter where you work, there's those days where work is work and it's not fun and you have to deal with things. Um, you know, you have those days where it's uh, take this job and shove it kind of days. Maybe you have one of those days recently. Yeah, take this job and shove it, right? Well, I heard some good therapy. Whenever you have one of those days, when it's one of those days like I just want to quit, I want to give up, you know, just take this job and shove it. Here's, what they, here's the advice they gave uh, if you're having one of those days. They said, try this. On your way home one of those days, uh, you're having one of those days, stop at the pharmacy. Go down to the aisle where it has the thermometers. Uh, look for, go there, look, look, in, get a, a rectal thermometer from that area. Make sure it's the Q-tip brand, all right? This is the advice they gave. Get the, get the rectal thermometer, Q-tip brand. Uh, pay for it. Take it home. Uh, get in some comfortable clothes. Lock your door. Turn off your phone so you can just relax for a little bit and, and, turn, and close, close the, the, the windows. And then take out the thermometer. Place it on your nightstand. Make sure gently so you don't, you know, nick it or break it. Um, and take out the instructions. And on those instructions, um, you begin to read them. Notice at the bottom in fine print, it says this. It says, every rectal thermometer made by Q-tip is personally tested. <laughs> and as you read those words, close your eyes and then say five times, thank you, oh, thank you that I do not work in quality control at the Q-tip <laughs> company. This is great advice, all right? When you have one of those, <laughs> yeah, you can, woo, this is helpful. So, so when you're having one of those days, this is advice. Just recognize that you're lucky you're not the person doing the quality control. So do this with me one time. Would you, would you just say that with me? Say, thank you. Oh, thank you that I do not work in quality control at the Q-tip company. Whew. 
You thought your job was bad, right? So in all seriousness, when, when, when we face work, work is a gift, and rest is a gift. And we have to learn that, that it's a rhythm, and God's trying to teach us something in this. So here's a few things I want to pull out of what we see in Deuteronomy and Exodus, and then we're going to go to the New Testament and also learn about what Jesus says. Um, Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. When you work six days and you take one off, you're reminded that you are not God. And this is a very good thing, right? Because uh, every time somebody plays God in our world, we know that it doesn't go very good, right? We see countries. Somebody gets in charge. They think they're God and they want to control it. it the country goes like this, woo, down pretty quickly. Um, whenever we do, whenever we play God, we make poor choices. And here's one of the reasons. We don't see the big picture. We tend to, to think from, see from what's in front of us. Uh, we only tend to look at what's in the middle of us. And so we take, off our, we take our eyes off uh, of the bigger picture to only focus on the immediate, on what's right there in front of us. And so Sabbath is reminding us that we're not God. Uh, in fact, the closest thing to you always seems the biggest. If that's pain in your life, if you have a physical cut, uh, that's going to seem the biggest, most important thing in your life because it's right in front of you. Um, Whatever is in front of you always seems the most important. Uh, and this includes work. When work is always in front of you and it's the only thing you see, you begin to think this is the most important thing. Um, because you, you, that's all you see and that's all you, you're focused on. But the truth is, Sabbath allows us to say, all right, work, work hard six days. And that one day, step away from your work. And then you begin to look at it from afar like, huh, it's actually not that important. Ah, that's very interesting. Uh, it's not that important because it's not in front of you. And Sabbath is our way of saying we need to, to take a step away. It's, it's Sabbath is imitating God so we can stop trying to be God. It, it's, it's saying, I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to imitate God's what he put in place of working six days and resting one so that I can, I can stop trying to be God. I'm going to trust him in this. So in Exodus, it's pointing us back to creation. So remember, I created, I, I created this rhythm. I started this process. Trust me in this. Like it, it points us back to Eden and, and the beginning, how God really wants it to. And so it grounds us creation, uh, Sabbath and creation. Um, it, it, it reminds us to, to imitate our divine example and receive his blessing. And then Deuteronomy, where it's repeating the law, it's pointing us back to Egypt, or the Israelites back to Egypt, saying, don't forget you were once slaves. Uh, don't forget that, because Sabbath is refusing to go back to Egypt. That's another part of Sabbath, is that we're saying we refuse to be enslaved by anything. And God was saying in Deuteronomy, don't forget you were once slaves. Because here's the truth, it's um, slavery, by definition, has no freedom to rest. Like, if you're a slave, you have no freedom um, rest was only allowed to the, to the wealthy and to, the, um, to those that were, were um, um, uh, royalty. So it's God's way of saying, hey, don't, don't forget your dad is the king. All right? Your father is the king of all. And just take a break on, on, on me. I'm, I'm giving you permission to take a break. And, and so you refuse to go back to slavery. You refuse to let anything become more important than God in your life. You, 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 you don't waste your life by working, working, working and miss out on living your life to its fullest. Uh, so he's, and here's the thing is, is um, not doing what God asks us is actually pushing away the, the most important person that we actually need in our lives. That's God himself. Like we push him away. In fact, one, one of the commandments he says in, in, in the, the Old Testament, he says, uh, I will not honor the seventh day when you work. Like it won't be productive for you. I'm not going to bless it because you're breaking the command. Work six days and then on the seventh day you, you'll be more effective. Just trust me. Um, he's saying don't place the yoke on your back of slavery that I already broke for you. Why would you go back to that if something doesn't work? Trust me for it. And then Sabbath is this. It's, it's, a, it's a great, uh, Sabbath is a gift of greater effectiveness. Sabbath is a gift for greater effectiveness. This is the, I would say, the faith part of the, of the commandment. In God, there's always these faith elements. He says, do this in faith, just trust me. 
so we don't observe Sabbath because it brings salvation. Uh, we observe Sabbath because we're, we're under grace. We, we got to say, live in, in the plan I have, the rhythm I have for you, not because you're saved by it, but because it helps you to live the life that you're supposed to live, the full life. And, and Sabbath is actually, uh, it gives us greater effectiveness. It's a multiplier. In fact, everything in God is, usually, is a multiplier. He takes our little bit, he multiplies it into a lot. He takes our life, he multiplies it to make a, big, a bigger impact. It's how he made creation. He put the power of one, of one seed, the, the ability of one seed, not just to plant another tree, but to plant forests and, and, and jungles of trees, right? So a multitude of trees. So the power in that one thing is, is multiplication. And that's what God does with all the things he says. If you'll trust me, I'll multiply. Like work six days, and that one day, just back off and trust me that I will do something great in your life. Resting doesn't mean suffering. It doesn't mean giving up something. Because a lot of people think that. Like, if I don't work the seventh day, then I'm going to lose opportunities to make more money. God say, no, just trust me. Like, I'll help you make more in six days than you can make on the seventh day. Uh, in our city, uh, I'm so excited. Uh, April 12th, this is an important day for our city. Just, just remember April 12th, all right? Uh, Chick-fil-A is opening in the city of Santa Fe. Yeah. <laughs> Chick-fil-A lovers. I love Chick-fil-A. Um, but I, I read this, this re- I heard about this recent study they did with fast food restaurants, all right? Out of all the fast food restaurants, there's one restaurant that is, that is closed on Sundays. Uh, every other fast food restaurant, all the other fast food restaurants are not just open on seven days a week, but a lot of them are open 24 hours a day. So they're on stop going, going, going. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, on the other hand, is closed every Sunday, every Sunday. And this is what it says for our employees for rest and for worship. Uh, so they've declared this day is, is special. It's set apart. It's holy um, so that God um, can be honored so our, our people can rest. Uh, what I found out about in this study is that every restaurant, all right, they give the amount of numbers. I'm not give you the numbers, but uh, Chick-fil-A makes five times as much as every other, uh, as, as all other um, fast food restaurants. Five times as much, uh, which means uh, that those that are going 24 hours a day, seven times a week, actually make five times less than Chick-fil-A, who goes six days and then takes a break once a week. Uh, five times. Um, at fast food restaurants, guess what the, the greatest, gro- the highest grossing day is for a fast food restaurant? Sunday. When is Chick-fil-A closed? On the, the day that most restaurants are gross the most. And they take a break because they say, God, we want to we honor you in this. All right, so they make five times as much. This is the principle of the Sabbath. God is saying, if you will trust me for my pattern in life, I will bless you. I will take your six and make not just seven, but eight, nine, ten. It's the same principle as the tithe. God is saying, you give me that first part, I will, I will take the 90 and I'll multiply and I'll bless it even more. It's a statement of faith where we're saying, God, I trust you because it'll give us greater effectiveness. How many of you guys have ever had a, had a month where you just didn't have a day off? Like you just couldn't stop, kept going. How fun were you to be around? Huh? Exactly. My point. It is not fun to be around us when we are work, 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 work. Um, last uh, two weeks ago, we were going to Mexico. I was all this stuff piling up, and I was working long hours to get things prepared. And I had a phone call from somebody that, that wanted to tell me how great of a job I was doing at church. All right? And uh, because I was tired, um, my conversation didn't go all that well. All right? uh, needless to say, they hung up on me, and uh, they didn't like what I had to say. Um, but a big part of it, honestly, is because I was tired. Um, and I didn't have time just to talk through all this stuff, so I tried just to cut to the point, which is not always the best thing, you know. Uh, sometimes cutting to the point really cuts off the conversation, and I did that. And the reason was because I was tired. Um, I, I wasn't thinking completely the way I rational like I should. Looking back, it wasn't as bad as it seems, you know. I'm not a horrible person. Uh, they had a lot of choice things to say to me, and they, they got mad at me eventually. But the point is this. I was tired, and I didn't make, I don't, you, we don't make good decisions when we're, when we're angry, when we're tired, when we're lonely, all those things. 
And overwork will do this to us. It just turns us into people that aren't very happy. God understands that. God knows that because he didn't create us to do this. I heard of one nation, a communist nation that was so against God and what, he, what his rhythm that they tried to extend a, a seven-day work week to an eight or nine. I don't remember. The, I think it was eight days. They said, we can get more out of people if we'll actually create longer work weeks and, and do that. And within a few, few short months, the animals were sick. The people were sick. They were forced to go back and change their longer calendar back to seven again and let people have a day off. Because God created us. He created creation that way, to work that way. We need a break. We're human. We're, not, uh, we're, we're finite, not infinite people. And so God is saying, you have to, you have to re- recharge yourself, refresh yourself. In fact, you'll be more pleasant to be around if you'll take this day off. Maybe Chick-fil-A knows something. Their employees are probably happier, and they could say, um, my pleasure, is that what they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. For six days, my pleasure. And then on the seventh day, you don't have to tell anybody that. Just go and rest, right? And then Monday, it's like, man, I feel so good. My pleasure. My pleasure, right? Um, it, it, we should take some lessons from this. But it's a multiplier, our effectiveness. Um, John Maxwell, I, I was listening to him uh, recently, and he said that when he was 48, he had a heart attack. Uh, he was doing a tons of stuff, working really hard, doing all these things. Uh, wasn't doing bad stuff. He was leading leaders, going around the world, helping equip pastors and leaders, stuff like that. But he said that um, he, when he had this heart attack, he realized that he'd put things out of – he'd get things in the right order. They were out of order. Um, and he heard this talk from this man named Brian Dyson. He gave a, a commencement speak to a, a university. And in this talk, Brian Dyson said like this. He said, imagine life as a game, as, as a, a game of juggling these balls, all right? And you're juggling these five balls in your life. He said that one ball is work. One ball is family, one ball is friends, one ball is health, and one ball is the spirit, like our, our spiritual part of our lives. Uh, this is where God, the, ball that, the God ball, that we'd, we'd, our relationship with God, other things like that, who we are as people, deeper parts of us. And he says, you juggle these balls, you know, eventually you can't, you, you, you're going you're gonna to have to put one down. You're going to have to work on these, figure it out. He says, here's the thing you have to know. There's only one ball that is rubber and will bounce back. The rest are made of glass, and when you drop them, they will be scuffed, they'll be scratched, in some cases they'll be... They will not be able to be mended or fixed. Be careful what balls you drop. And his point was this, that sometimes we think work is the most important. And we juggle that ball and make sure I mean, we'll, we'll drop all the other balls because, man, work is the most important. But the truth is, if you lost your job, God could provide a better job for you. If something happened to your life, you can always figure out new ways to do that. But the other things you can't change, um, those, those are important. And what he said, John Maxwell says, my health had been one of those balls that I dropped. And luckily, I was able to recover. He still has some issues going on, but he was able to, to move forward and, and make it a priority. In our lives, this, I think this is what God is saying. Don't, don't put the wrong things as the most important. Trust me on this rhythm that I will help you on it. Uh, I'll, I'll lead you on this. Uh, so Mark, Mark 2, 27, Jesus says it like this. Uh, as a Christian church, it's important we look at Jesus and say, what does he have to say about the Sabbath? What does he say about, uh, about um, what, what, what the purpose of it? And in, in Mark 2, 27, he says it like this. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. See, throughout history, this is what happens. Many people uh, throughout history figure out ways how to turn a day of liberty into a, 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 long, a day of long, as a, a long obstacle course, like trying to figure out how to go through this. And here's the thing. We're all susceptible of doing this. Like we can turn what's supposed to be the day of rest in, into more work than, it, than actually the other six days. And in Jesus' day, this is exactly what the religious people did, the Pharisees. They had turned God's commandment of taking a break into more work than the other six days combined. Um, so they had the commandments in the Bible, so all the Sabbath, what not to do. But they were so afraid. They honored the Sabbath. They were trying to keep it holy. I don't think their motives were necessarily wrong, but they, they missed the point of it. And they, they added an additional 1,051 commands to all the commandments that were already in the Bible at the Sabbath 
to not break the, the rules of, of, of how, how to keep Sabbath holy and how not to work. And so from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, they would make sure you didn't do these uh, 1,051 plus all the other ones in the Bible commandments. And so Jesus is saying, you've added all these, you've made Sabbath such a burden that people aren't even resting. Like they're so afraid to not be working that they're actually working. And you've turned a day of non-work into a day of work. And he says, Sabbath wasn't made so people could meet the requirements of Sabbath. It was, it was made for people. Like people weren't made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. It's a gift that God gives us. In fact, over and over, the religious people, they were so upset at Jesus because they're like, you're not celebrating the Sabbath like we are. You're not, you're not honoring it. And in this one case, uh, it says that him and his disciples were walking through a field, and they, were, they break off the heads of the grain, and they're eating it. And the, the religious people came and said, Jesus, your disciples aren't even following the Sabbath. What, what are you teaching them? Like, what kind of um, Christian, well, he's Christ, so we wouldn't call, so we'll call him Christian. You know, what kind of representative of God are you that you're, not, you're teaching them to break the Sabbath? And he says, well, didn't you read in the Old Testament, David did this and this, and man, God honored him still, and it wasn't a big, like, it's not, uh, you're, you're misinterpreting these. You're adding these extra traditions that have nothing to do with the point of it. And so they say, well, well then show us this. And they're, they're in the temple, and there's a man that has a, a crippled hand, and he says, well, well, tell us this, Jesus. Is it okay for you to heal on Sabbath? And it says Jesus was so bugged in his heart that these people who were supposed to be representing God, their hearts were so hard towards people, they were missing the whole point of the Bible. Right? He was saying he was so frustrated, and he said he saw their hearts and what they did. And this is how he responds. It says in, in Matthew 12, 13 through 14, I would encourage you to read the whole story, pretty great story about the Sabbath, and Jesus saying, don't miss the point of it. Um, he says this, stretch out your hand. And so the man stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Uh, my wife said, I think it was great. So this is fuzzy Sabbath logic, all right? So, oh, it's okay to heal on Sabbath, Jesus, as religious leaders. It's not okay to heal on Sabbath, but it is okay to plot murder on that day. In their minds, that was their logic. So you're wrong for healing somebody, but we're going to get together, we're going to figure out a way to kill you, was okay. The reason I want to do this series so badly, and I'm doing this, is because when I was 20 years old, I almost walked away from the church. Because of people who said they represented Christ and did it so poorly. I mean, and technically they were right. Like, they followed the rules and they followed these things, but they were just horrible to be around. I didn't want to be around them. Like, they weren't pleasant. They weren't fun. But, yeah, they were keeping the laws. They were doing what they're supposed to do. They came to church. They knew more than I did. And, and it pushed me away from the very per- person they were trying to represent. And I don't want to be that kind of church that misses the point of this. See, we're not going to get to heaven and say, God, high five. I followed all your commands. And he's going to say, well, good job. But what about all your neighbors? What about all those nations that didn't know me? What did you do with it for them? So he's saying, don't miss the bigger picture. Life is just not about you. It's not just about these things that, that, that are right in front of you. Because even the law can get in front of you and it becomes the most important thing because all you see is command, command, do, do, don't do, don't do. And if you don't step away and say, God, what does this mean? Help me to figure this out. The law will become more important than the person that gave the law. We get focused on the, spirit of, on the, the, law, the letter of the law. We forget the spirit of the law. They're both needed. I think if you focus on the letter, you become kind of a mean person. If you focus only on the spirit, you become kind of a, a grace person. It's like, man, everything's okay. We can do whatever we want. Both are needed, but you have to figure out how does this, how does this work? It's, so Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm going to do good on Sabbath. It's, it, he, so he, he healed people. His, his disciples, they picked grain. They cast out demons on Sabbath. They did good things. And he's saying, I'm giving you this. to be. It's a gift of freedom and rest, not to enslave you with something else. God is saying, don't miss 
the point of this. Sabbath belongs to God. Uh, we need to do all we can to make sure that uh, we also help others to find, find this. Um, hurried people, they don't help people. When we're, when we're in a rush, when we're uh, over, overworked, when we're tired, uh, hurried people, overwhelmed people, they don't help people. Uh, there was a study in 1970. Uh, they, they asked 70 participants from the Princeton, Princeton Theological Seminary to do a, a, a study with them. So they asked these 70 students to go in this room. They, they read some paperwork on a couple of things, uh, on jobs that are, that are attached to seminary uh, degrees and the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is a story Jesus tells um, about uh, the person they despise is the one that actually helped and, and was the good person. He was like the hero of the story, which made all the religious people really mad. Uh, but that was Jesus' point, is you're missing the point. And so he, he, in the story, one person stops to help, which nobody thought that would be the person. All the religious people pass by. So they read this story about the Good Samaritan. They read about job descriptions. And, and that what they think their job is to go next door to the next building and teach a, a small little seminar about one of those two things. And so they read, they study, and they go. But the real test was that what they were going to do on the way to that building when they encountered a man who was doubled over, moaning, and coughing. Like, what would these students do? So 70 of them. They broke them into three categories. The first group, they said, um, they're already, you're late. They're already waiting for you. You need to go over there as fast as you can. That was the first, first group of people. Um, so, half, so that first group, half of them were telling the story of the Good Samaritan. Half of them were telling about jobs when it comes to seminary degrees. All right? Only 10% of that first group actually stopped to help the man. The other ones passed on by. So a small percentage actually stopped, which we would get. When you're hurried, you don't help people. Uh, the second group, they said, um, you know, the, 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 the class that started, uh, it wasn't as urgent. Like, it'll, it'll start just head that way because they're expecting you to, to come soon. Uh, so head that way. And so uh, that, that group went. And then the third group was the, the, the low-stressed um, one. They said, you have a few minutes to get there. There's no rush. Um, but just head that way, so eventually you'll be prepared when it's time to start. Um, and what they found is when it came to um, the people that were telling the Good Samaritan story, out of all of them, only half of those people actually stopped to help. So they're going to give a lecture on Jesus' teacher, uh, Jesus' teaching about being a good person, and they don't have time to be the good person when they pass over this man. Like, they don't know if he's drunk, if he's been hurt, whatever. He's hunched over, moaning, and as they go by, he coughs and kind of jolts them. And one of the guys said, um, many of these had to step over him to get to the class. I'm like, hey, sorry, I wish I could help you, but I'm too busy right now to go. And the whole point was, would they stop to help? And this is what they said about the whole study. Uh, Darlene Batston, or the, the, the guys that put the study together, uh, ethics become a luxury as the speed of our daily lives increase. Ethics become a luxury as the speed of our daily lives increase. In our culture, we have people that will go nonstop, go, 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 and, and because we're so busy going, we don't have time to do good. We don't have time to be the kind of people God wants us to be. We miss out on important relationships around us because we're go, 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 go. The same way that they didn't stop to help that person that was injured, we don't stop to talk to our kids. I'm guilty of this sometimes. I'm so into what I'm doing and so focused that my kid will come say something to me. They'll leave and I'll think, what did they just tell me? I'm serious. It happened yesterday. My daughter came and said something, and I was reading, and I looked up and like nodded like, hi, and, and she said something, and I, I, I looked down, and I said, what in the world did she just tell me? So I had to go track her down and say, hey, what, what did you just say? And then she told me what she said. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Good job. How many of those opportunities do I miss in life because I'm so focused in what's right in front of me? And sometimes work becomes this, and we miss it. And God is saying, man, work hard six days. And have even that have a rhythm. Have balance in that. Don't, don't be crazy. God, God did something. He worked hard. He looked back, stepped back and said, wow, that's beautiful. Look at that. That was a good day of work. 
Next day, he worked hard. Wow, that was a good day of work. He rested. And then the seventh day, he says, now take a break for one whole day, refresh, recharge, and just trust me. Because here's the thing. Um, when we don't have time to do good, when doing good will take too much time of our, of our time, we don't, we don't have the opportunity to do good because it's taking too much of our time. You know this, and I know this. When I'm tired, when I'm hurried, when I'm busy, I just don't make a very nice human being, and neither do you. And that's part of the purpose of this, is we want to be the kind of people that represent God that people can look at. It was one of the greatest testimonies that the people of Israel had when the other nations would look at them. They said, why do you take a break that once a week? Well, because the Lord told us, who's the Lord? Well, God, like the maker of everything. And then they saw how blessed they were because God would bless them as they did this. It was so important to God that the people of Israel skipped it for 490 years, and the same amount of, of, of years that they skipped the uh, they called the Sabbath rest, the year of Sabbath rest, where the fields are supposed to not be planted and they're supposed to take a break every seven years. They skipped it for so long that when they went into captivity, they weren't free to captivity until the land had the exact same amount of days, uh, of years, that they had skipped and missed. Seventy years they were in captivity because they missed 490 of those of years of Sabbath rest. It was so serious. God is saying, you don't operate well when you skip this. And here's the thing, when you skip it over and over, sometimes you begin to think like it doesn't apply to you. It doesn't doesn't mean anything to me. But God is saying, don't skip this. And the last thing I'll say is this, is the closest thing to you always seems the biggest. What is the closest thing to you? Pay attention. Because whatever is most important in front of you, it will limit your ability to see all the other things. And a lot of times it's a very good thing. It's not a bad thing. But this good thing takes away from the better things and the best things. Work can be that. I would say sometimes even, even uh, things within being, being a, a Christ follower can do that. We have to be careful that we understand what God is doing. So here's my challenge for today. Would you trust God's way? Because really, observing Sabbath is all about trust. It's a statement of trust in God. I trust that your way is better than my way. Trust God's way. Work six days, rest one. Work hard those six days, and then rest really hard that one. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop copying examples of, what that, of things that don't work. And stop going to things that will enslave you. It's a way to remind us every week, oh yeah, I'm not God. God's God. I'm not God. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to move. I'm going to step back. So stop doing it on your own. Stop, stop trying to do it in your own strength. You're not God. Uh, but trust him in those things. Let go of uh, even those things that become addictions. And work can be one of those things. Uh, Jesus says it like this in Matthew 11. He says, Jesus said to them, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. In this room today, we have people who are carrying heavy burdens. Part of it is because of, of, of work and being out of balance. The other part of it is because we've taken on things from culture. We've taken on things uh, from our, what we want. Uh, the Bible says that when, when we try to do things in our own way, it doesn't work. In fact, a lot of things that we do that, are, that God doesn't want us to, the Bible says they're sin. Like Sin separates us from God. And when we do things outside of God's boundaries, outside of his commands, it invites destruction and death into our lives. And that's part of the burdens we feel. The same way that the, that the Israelites were, were slaves in, in Egypt over the taskmasters, sin has the same effect, the Bible says, in our lives. That we become enslaved and trapped by the things that we allow in our lives, addictions, uh, focusing on the wrong things, turning things into idols and, and into other gods in our lives. It becomes a a taskmaster that begins to weigh us down and overwhelm us. And God, here Jesus is saying, if you come to me, and I'll teach you a better way. So Jesus had a rhythm. He would escape from people, and he'd, he'd get away with his, with his father, and he'd, he would rest. 
and he'd, he'd prepare for the next thing. There's a rhythm of life, and he's inviting us into this rhythm with him. Would you be the kind of people that have this rhythm with God? So today, if you're here and you would say, man, I, I'm weary and I'm carrying heavy burdens that I was not designed to carry. Some by your own fault, your own choice, the sins that you've allowed in. Some, some cases, because of other people, have placed things on you. But today, God is saying, would you allow me to lead you? Would you guide me? Do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head as we close our service? If that's you today, and you would say, today I'm here, and I am not keeping God's commands. I'm doing my own thing, but I'd like that to change. I'd like to invite him to lead me. I'd like him to, to be my God. I'd like to follow his lead. What I'm doing is not working. And I need help. The Bible says that when we humble ourselves, we confess that we're sinners, that we're separated from God, that we need his help. He shows up. He brings grace. He brings love. He gives us a better way of living. So if you're, you're weighed down with worries and cares and stress and sin and addictions, God says, let me free you. And then follow my ways so you don't go back to those things. If that's you today, would you let me know by that by lifting your hand. Right now, go ahead and lift your hand. Lift your hands. I won't call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you to pray right there in your seat. This is between you and God. As you lift your hand, just know God is looking and saying, yes, finally. Man, you need to beat that addiction. You need to break that thing in your life. Because it doesn't lead you to anything good. A lot of hands went up. Anybody else? Anybody else here to say, that's me? I need God's help. I need to be free from some things that are sucking the life out of me. Awesome. I see your hands. If I raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? If you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? Just pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I need your help. I've sinned. And I've broken your laws. Forgive me. Help me to follow you. To live the life that you created for me. I believe that you sent your son to die on that cross. In my place. So I can have life. I believe you're alive today. Would you come into my life? And lead me today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.